Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. I want to welcome all of you back to this unique and special series that we've been in this fall. We started and kicked it off several weeks ago, and then we took a little break last weekend, and we're going to jump back in. It's going to be some really exciting and very powerful places that we're gonna go to here for the last few weeks and we have a great place for this weekend. I wanna welcome those watching by video at our McKinney campus as well as our 1230 service making space or maybe you're watching online. Would you join me in celebrating all those that are watching? We're so glad that you're along for the ride with us. I'm gonna ask if you have your Bibles this weekend to turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16, Matthew, right there in the New Testament, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 20, a very, very powerful place, a powerful moment with Jesus, and a very foundational set of passages, a very critical foundational set of passages. Let me, let me give a little rewind for a minute. I, I'm doing this because the whole purpose of the series is to learn how to take a step to be closer to Jesus. No matter where you're coming from, no matter how much you know about him, there's always an opportunity to be closer. And so I have been reviewing and just showing you, and some of you are new, so let me, let me catch you up. We started the first week with being close to Jesus means following him. It means no matter what he says, no matter what he asks, you know he has your best intentions, he has great intentions for you and his desires for you are good, so you just, you just keep following. And so we looked at, on the bank of the Sea of Galilee, him asking some fishermen, hey, drop your nets and come on, come with me. The next week, we looked at the fact that we are people who, no matter how much we obtain, no matter how much we experience, we still have an emptiness inside of us. I meet people all the time who say, I don't understand, I've got more success and more things, and yet I just still feel like I'm missing something, and I don't know what I'm looking for. And we learned the second week that what you're looking for is a relationship with Jesus, and Jesus says, seek me. Seek me first. Put me first place. Seek after me, and all this other stuff will take care of itself. And then we went a little bit deeper the next week, and we said that really the hard part for all of us because we like to be in charge of our lives. He said, I need you, even when you don't understand, to trust me. I want you to really put your total trust, not in you, but in me. So we learned a little bit about, okay, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you with my life. I trust you with these situations. And then we went to a place where Jesus asked us, he said something really powerful. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why, why do you want what I have for you, but you won't do what I ask you to do? So we learned in that week that we have to bow our knee, not to just the fact that he wants to take us to heaven, but we bow our knee to his lordship and we put him at the most primary place of submission in our lives. Next week we talked about what holds us back from being close. And I told you this, I said, if you'll if you'll look at where the emotions coming out of your life, where the chaos in your life, if you'll look at where you have apprehensions, look to your fear. When you find your fear, you'll find what's holding you back. And we talked about how fear holds us back. This week, we're going to go to a place where we take all of that, and Jesus wants to make sure it works. 
He wants to make sure it works in the most dark, impossible scenarios. See, if Jesus doesn't work in every culture, in every environment, and in every situation, then he's not someone we should put at the highest place. We need to look to an alternative if it doesn't work everywhere, all the time. If Jesus is not someone who can go into the darkest of places. I I don't know how much you've become aware of darkness. I don't know if it's just simply that you just turn on the television and you you just start maybe feeling a little hopeless. I don't know. If you have any righteousness inside of you, you have to sometimes feel like, is our world getting darker? Is our world getting darker? And I'm a positive person. I'm a life-giving person, but you're like, wow. Maybe we just have more exposure to the darkness today. I don't know. But our world is broken. Maybe you've just walked into a place sometime and you just, I don't know, there's a gift of the Spirit called the discerning of spirits and you've just walked into an environment and you're like, this, this feels dark. feels like there's darkness. There's maybe hidden darkness. There's present darkness. And you just think, man, this place is dark. Maybe you've been to a particular city or a region or a location and you've seen brokenness. I remember when I took my daughter to Skid Row to do some ministry and she said, Dad, this... This is, there's darkness here. What, these people, they seem oppressed. They seem, and again, I know sometimes there's things that have been done to them that cause that. I know that there can be mental things. There can be, but but nonetheless, if you ever go to one of those places, you're like, wow, darkness can really have its way with people. But it's not so much the darkness out there. It's when you become more in touch with your potential to create darkness yourself. Or darkness starts to come into your life, a depression, a a dark feeling, a chaotic moment. See, Jesus knew that his disciples would have to be able to deal with the darkness in themselves, but also be able to take his light and who he is into dark situations. So he took them to a dark place. We're going to go there in just a moment in this series, I went to these places And a team of us went to Israel, so we went to the actual place, and I shot a video just thinking about it in that present place. What's interesting is Jesus takes them to a dark place, and he asks them a question. He wants to know, how will they respond? Do they understand? It's a great teaching method to ask questions. I love to ask questions. I I, I love to think about different things. And so, in fact, not too long ago, actually in our old building, I did a little a service where I let people text their questions to me. So we had one of our pastors back in the booth and he was filtering the questions and he would put the question up on the screen and then I would answer the question and uh, I got in trouble. Um, he, he didn't filter well and so he took a really hard one and he put it up there and I was in front of everybody. I don't remember what it was. I don't know if it was like, if you have powdered water, what do you add? I I don't know. I don't know. If you're driving at the speed of light and turn on your headlights, what happens, you know? How did Tarzan have a beard? Where did he get his, you know, shaver? I don't know what question it was. We got one in our internship the other day where someone raised their hand and said, "Uh, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? (laughs) I I don't know. Um, And... And, and, and so I, I, I was up there and I had this moment where I thought, you know, do I just kind of, you know, kind of juke and jive, you know, there was a dove and a wind and the Lord moved or something, you know, I thought maybe I might just give some preacher mumbo jumbo, 
And uh, I kind of just sat there and thought, no, it's probably better just to, you know, take the humble route. And I just, in front of all of these people, said, I don't know. And then, you know, it's like, well, okay, I'm in trouble. All right. I'm, I'm supposed to be the Bible answer man, and I don't know the answer, which is good training for you. That's where a lot of people go. I don't know if I'd lead a small group. I may not know the answer. Somebody may ask me a question, and I don't know the answer. I always tell them, you know what you tell them? I don't know. That's what you tell them. I don't know. So I did that, and it's not really whether Adam and Eve have belly buttons or if I know all the answers in the Bible, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to go to this dark place. Jesus asked a question that we all need to know the answer to. We all need to know the answer to this question. We all need to know how to respond to this question. He takes them to a place in Caesarea Philippi. And this place, this this little cave here, is literally at that time called the Gates of Hell. It was known as the Gates of Hell. And I'm gonna show you in the video, there's dark things happening, there's challenging things happening. They literally believe that in this place was the doorway to hell. The doorway to the darkest place that they knew. And Jesus is after something in them. By way of question and by way of him asking specifically Peter this question, he's after in him this understanding called revelation. Now in the video, I'm gonna use the word revelation. When I say that, there's some of you that go, okay, I get what you're talking about, and we're gonna unpack that together this weekend. There's some of you though, when I say revelation, you're like, are you talking about the book of Revelation? Are you talking about the end times? What are you talking about? No, as simple as I can put it, it's, it's when you understand and see and have an understanding of Jesus that's a spiritual truth that you couldn't get any other way but by way of him giving it to you. It's him giving you this spiritual truth, not, not just some perspective or idea or an epiphany or an aha moment. No, it's spiritual truth that is downloaded to you from heaven. So I want us all to think about our level of revelation and think about this question as we go to this place called The Gates of Hell, and we'll come back and unpack it. Watch this with me. About 40 miles from here, by the Sea of Galilee, The disciples left everything and started following Jesus. Along the way, they're learning more about him. They've been amazed by him. But the truth is, they still don't totally understand him or what is ultimately going to happen. But they just keep taking steps. They just keep following. The other day, I was at a friend's graduation, and as I showed up, it was on a large campus, and. The fact is, I didn't really know where I was. I was on the other side of campus and started headed toward where I thought I was supposed to go and there was a whole group of people walking and I thought, well, they know where they're going, but the fact is, after a little while of following them, I asked them, are you headed to the graduation? They said, no, we're headed to another event and I realized that we were going the wrong way. But that's the difference in Jesus. Jesus is not following the crowd. He's not randomly just looking for some direction from someone around him. Jesus is always leading the way. 
And he kept leading these disciples very intentionally every single step and wherever he took them and whatever he communicated to them was very intentional and very on purpose. And the fact is he led them to this place. This place right here is a place that everyone wanted to claim. Everyone thought that it was so significant that they wanted to have their name on it. The fact is, Herod, he actually built some temples here and he built them and he named it after Caesar Augustus who granted him the land. And then later his son Philip, his son Philip wanted to lay claim to it in honor of his father and so now you see a place when described in the scriptures, it's Caesarea Philippi, that's where we're at, and Philip wanted to distinguish it from the place closer to the Mediterranean called Caesarea by the sea. But even more importantly, the Greeks called this place Peneus, and it's named after the Greek god Pan, a fertility god, and why is that significant? Because in the worship of that god, this was a very dark place, one of the darkest places in this time period. There was a lot of very challenging things happening, both sexually and there was all kinds of immoral things. And so therefore, when the disciples found out probably along the way at some point that Jesus was taking them here, they had to be thinking, this is not a good place for Jewish guys and why is he bringing us here? But Jesus had a plan. Jesus wanted to show them something in this dark place. So understanding the history and the context of this area, then it really sheds more light when we look at the passage of scripture in Matthew 16. We're gonna look at verses 13 through 20. It says, when Jesus came into this area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Now again, this is a dark place. There's literally human sacrifices taking place, some of the darkest things that could happen, and Jesus walks them into that place, and he says, who are people saying that I am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but here's what I really wanna know, who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, and this is the main thesis of this entire passage. He says this, you're blessed. Simon, you're blessed, and here's why. For flesh and blood has not revealed this. Notice the word revealed. This is not something that comes from persuasion. Jesus is not imposing this on him. He's not doing some kind of mind trick. There's a spiritual revelation, and he says to him, this is where it comes from. He says, this comes again to you. It comes from my Father who is in heaven. And now as a result of that revelation, look what happens now. He says, I tell you now, you are Peter, and on this rock, this revelation you've had, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And look what it says here. Jesus actually says, look, now this is who you are. You never know who you are until you understand who Jesus is. But then it even says here, I am now going to build something through you. I'm going to show you your purpose. So what's one of the first things that happen when we get revelation of who Jesus is? When we really get a revelation that is not just some kind of religious figure or historical figure, 
what happens? The first thing is we get secure in our identity and we really begin to understand who we are. But the second thing is he says, I'm gonna build my church through you. Peter starts to understand his purpose by really understanding who Jesus is. And then he says, I'm gonna give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Don't you think that's really interesting? And this is why the closer we get to Jesus, the more drawn to him we are. All these other political and historical figures were trying to name things after themselves, trying to move power toward themselves. And what does Jesus say? If you'll have a real revelation of who I am and you'll really follow me, he says, look, I'm gonna give power away. I'm gonna actually give you the power to live out the purpose that I've called you to live. I'm gonna give you the power to build what I've called you to build. So he says, I'm gonna give you and transfer my authority toward you. And then it says here, he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So Jesus had an interesting marketing strategy. After this big, powerful moment, he's like, don't tell anybody about it. Of course, you know what happens. Everyone finds out about what Jesus is doing. You know, as we think about what a, what a powerful place, what a powerful moment in scripture, it's just, it's, it's amazing to think that Jesus would bring them to this place and then he would take the backdrop of culture and he would use it as a powerful moment of revelation for Peter and the disciples. It really makes us ask this question for ourselves. Is have we had that same revelation moment that Peter had right in this spot? Now I know the word revelation seems like some large, big kind of concept, but the fact is, when you get close to Jesus, you're more drawn to him, and it really means that we're willing to admit that he is the only way, he is the Son of God, he is the Christ. That's really what Peter said, is he said, you're, you're it, you're what we've been looking for. You're the Lord, you're the Savior. Have you made him Lord and Savior of your life? You know what's really amazing as well is this place is called the gates of hell. When Jesus said the gates of hell can't stand against what I'm gonna do in the earth, he was referencing this actual place. See, the reason they made sacrifices to gods like Pan, which are not really the true God, the reason they did is they were hoping that he would receive the sacrifice. Not many days forward in this journey as they keep following Jesus, Jesus is gonna make the ultimate sacrifice. And it's not something that we hope that this sacrifice is received, but the truth is it was God's plan all along. And so in your journey with Jesus, my real desire for you is, is that you'll draw close to him, that you'll just keep taking steps. You may feel like I don't have it figured out, I don't know exactly how it works, I don't know if I've had the revelation moment, just keep following and taking steps. And here's what's gonna happen, just like Peter. You know the good news? The same available promise that Peter had of finding purpose and finding the real authority and power to live your purpose and really knowing who you are, that same Jesus is still available today for all of us. As we look at a passage like this in a place like this, it makes all of us today, no matter where we're at, wanna draw close to him and have a real revelation of him.
so glad Jesus took them and asked Peter the question in this place, this dark place. And I'm trying to be respectful just to not be graphic or gory, but in this place, every vile thing was taking place. They believed it was the doorway to hell and the way women were treated, the way children were treated, things that were happening physically, sexually, relationally. It, it, it was, and even when we went there, we were talking with different people that were doing tours and the graphic description of all the really vile things that were happening there. I'm so glad Jesus went there. I'm so glad he took them there because it helped them from being naive and it helps us today. Because we can feel like sometimes like the darkness is impenetrable. The darkness is something that can't be overcome. We can lose hope ourselves and we can be looking for solutions ourselves. And Jesus took them there so they wouldn't be naive, but he also took them there to give them the solution for the darkness. To give them the answer so they don't struggle with hopelessness going, what do we do about all of this? So if we look at this little passage and we look at this moment, I believe this is what Jesus is saying to us. Your revelation of Jesus deals with the darkness in you. So a lot of times we're identifying all the darkness in everybody else, but we forget we have a propensity to have great darkness. We are capable of great darkness ourselves. So that revelation deals with what's in you, but then Jesus says, I have answers. Jesus builds his church to deal with the darkness in the world. I remember as a young pastor, many, many weekends, and sometimes I feel a little discouragement today, but I've grown in my understanding of Jesus and I've grown in my understanding of how he works, but as a young pastor, I found myself discouraged a lot of weekends. I mean, I would preach my heart out, I would study, I would preach, and I would preach about Jesus. You guys are, in, it's good that I've matured a little bit because my saying when I was younger, they say, what's the message going to be about? I say, it's going to be about Jesus in about an hour. <laughs> we preached the full counsel of God back then. Y'all know what I'm saying? The everlasting gospel. But we're going to get out on time this weekend. Don't worry. But I would preach about Jesus and I would realize, you know, people, they're not getting it. They're, they're still trusting themselves. They're not seeing how important this is. And you know, you'd spend the afternoon going, man, what could I have said better? What could I have done better? What could I, you know, and you just, you find yourself just grappling with that reality. And, and, and it was even in this place where it really impacted me. And I began to say, you know, Jesus, I'm, I'm praying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my part. I'm going to let you use my imperfectness and I'm going to let you use my, my words. But, but you have to reveal yourself to people. And I realize it's not on me, it's not on my persuasiveness, it's not on my ability, it's, 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 it's about Jesus giving them revelation. That's also helped my parenting, by the way. You're not going to change people. You're not even going to over-preach enough to your kids to change them. You're praying for a revelation. You're praying for Jesus to reveal himself to them, but if you want him to reveal himself to them, you gotta first ask the question, how real is he to me? How real is he to me? How revealed in my life is this person, Jesus Christ? 
And so I began to just go on a quest. In fact, I just think, man, I wish I could bottle up this revelation thing. You know, we could pass it out at the door. Here, get a little revelation before you listen to the message. And then you'll hear it different. And it'll be impactful for your life. But a revelation of Jesus is where all the foundation is built. When we first started our church, I would sometimes do 15, 16 weeks on Jesus. Because if Jesus is pushing back the darkness, and Jesus is building his church, and he's building families, and he's building righteous communities on the revelation of him, we better make sure people have it. Because that's what he's doing. That's the game plan. That's the solution for the darkness, wherever the darkness is touching you, because we live in a broken, dark world. Wherever anything dark is touching you, this is the solution. The person you care about, that darkness is, pray, is just preying on them, you know what they need? A revelation of Jesus. That's what they need. That's the game changer. We usually start with techniques, strategies. Try this, four ways to this, five ways to do this. But you know what? You only do what you want to do. And if you don't want to do the techniques, you won't do any of the techniques, even if they're good techniques. The heart has to change. So Jesus deals with the darkness in us by way of revelation of him, but then he brings us together to deal with the darkness in the world. What is Jesus' solution for dark places? It's a revelation of him. I was talking to a guy this week. He said, I, I deal with anxiety. I, I deal with depression. A lot of people do. More and more people that I meet today do. And not that we don't have chemical things and we don't have mental things in different situations and our bodies are broken and frailed. As I investigated a little deeper with this guy, I said, why? He said, because I am hard on myself. I'm hard on myself. If I mess up a little something at work, I take that as my personal identity. And I think I'm a mess up, I'm a failure. And as I probed a little deeper, I realized that that was his view of Jesus too. That he thought, that if he'll do what's right, and he began to tell me, you know, I'm thinking about serving, I'm thinking about doing this, I'm thinking about church, all of those things are great things. None of which will change the darkness in you. None of which are the solution. And so I realized he had this idea that if we'll do this and we'll do this, then Jesus will do this. And so what he did not understand is Jesus didn't tell Peter you build your life, and when you get in trouble, call me and I'll bless what you're building. That's not what he told Peter. He asked him, who am I? Who do you say that I am? And once Peter had a revelation of that, he showed him who he was, and he said, now I'll build all this through you. I'll build it through you. So our eternal future, our destiny, our lives, our marriage, our children, every bit of it, our ability to bring light into those places has to do with our revelation of Jesus. It means do you really know him? Not do you know about him, do you know him? I prayed about this this week is because I know there are people, in fact, I have a few people I've invited this week or maybe you're watching online. I met some people who said they're watching online. I know there are people listening to me that you've got to get this. You've got to get this. And so I began to think, okay, how do I make this real? You know, and I thought about an experience or this or that way I could kind of make this, this real in your life, this revelation of Jesus. The best way I thought to illustrate it to you was I was talking to one of my children about dating. 
you better get a prayer life. Y'all know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was talking to my son, and he and I were just chatting about this, and they always want to chat late at night. Come on, parents, raising teenagers. We were talking about it, and I said, I started reminiscing and telling him the story of how I fell in love with his mom. See, I, I knew Brandy when she was, when I was, she was like 11, I was like 12. Her parents and family moved to my hometown. They were from here. They moved to my hometown and our moms met at swimming lessons and became prayer partners. So we had an arranged marriage, by the way. That's just, you can't beat that, you know? And they became prayer partners. But she was kind of friends with my sisters, you know? And so I knew about her. I was a 12-year-old kid. I wasn't recognizing all that. I was playing baseball and football and doing whatever, you know? Squirrel, you know, 12-year-old. Y'all know what I'm saying? I didn't pay much attention to her. I knew about her. Our moms maintained a relationship. My mom would mention, here's what the Andersons are doing. Here's what Brandy's doing. Her mom would tell her, one of these days, you just need to marry one of those boys like Jeff Little. Come on, somebody. I had a fan club back then. And she would say, you don't even know Jeff Little. We don't know what he's doing. He could be an ax murderer by this point. I know he's not, he's a good boy. You might wanna marry somebody like that Jeff Little. When I was in college, we met at a church event. My mom and her mom were together. We don't know if it was set up, they still won't confess. But I showed up at this event, and let me tell you, I knew about her at that point. I'm like, I wanna know her. She was hot, still is. And so we began to develop a relationship. We, we dated 10 months, we were married. We'll be married 23 years here coming up. We can now, because we've been together so long, she knows what I'm thinking. She, she knows where I'm headed. She knows when I'm upset. She knows me, I know her while we have a relationship. And by the way, this is not far off from the book in the Bible, Ephesians 5, where it compares this relationship and mystery with Jesus and marriage. I'm talking about a revelation of Jesus that's different than knowing about him, the history of him. So many people I meet today, they think if I have enough information about Jesus, I'll have a relationship with Jesus. We believe today that the darkness in our world is for, from lack of knowledge. So everybody's trying to get everybody aware of all the problems. Awareness does not change the brokenness of the human soul. It's great for awareness, but awareness doesn't solve the problem. Knowledge about Jesus. You can sit in church your whole life and not know Jesus. You can listen to hundreds of messages. Some of the best teachers on the history of Jesus teach about him as a person but don't know him as a person. Jesus even said in the book of John, the Bible says this, that in fact you study the scriptures. The Bible says of itself that the scriptures are inspired by God, they're the word of God, they give us God's perspective, so I'm not minimizing the scriptures, but Jesus is talking to a group of people that had studied about God's plan but didn't know the answer to the question. They knew he wanted to send the Messiah, but they were so blinded. So I want you to hear this. This is not something you just try to solve intellectually. This is a person you see. 
You see it by revelation. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life, but these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You gotta come to me, not you over here figuring it out and asking me to get involved with this. No, you bring in your whole life to me. You bring yourself to me. And when that revelation takes place, you begin to know him in your present world. He begins to bring life and light into every situation. I told my son, I'm gonna tell you what I was so attracted about with your mom. Yes, she was beautiful. Yes, she has beautiful eyes. Yes, she's awesome. But I'm gonna tell you, I was attracted to the Jesus in her. I was just, woman of God that loves Jesus. She just, you could see it all over. You could hear it in her voice. You could hear it by the way she was talking about it. She was in a time where Jesus was doing amazing things in her life, and I was attracted to the Jesus in her. Let me tell you, somebody that has a revelation of Jesus, they bring light everywhere they go. Everywhere they go, to the waitress in the restaurant, to any situation, when they bring Jesus, Jesus comes right in there. When they have a revelation of Jesus, not people that have just sat around Jesus, not about people, oh, that's great, that was good, yeah, where are we going to lunch? I'm talking people that have a revelation of Jesus. This week, I've laid my head on the pillow, Jesus, I want to know you more. That song we've been singing, my heart wants more of you. I've been singing that over and over. My heart wants more of you. My heart wants more of you. Jesus, be with me in my dreams. Be with me in my sleep. You're like, you're crazy, pastor. Yes, I am, and you will be too when it becomes less religious and more real. When it becomes real. When a revelation of Jesus hits you. Now you're like, man, I love Jesus, but what's his solution to all the brokenness in our world. I'm stirred up about this and I'm stirred up about that and there's darkness taking over here and darkness taking over there. Well, Jesus' strategy and solution and vehicle to bring light into the darkness, he, he doesn't make it unclear. He says it's his church. He gets the darkness out of us and then he grabs a group of people that the darkness has gotten out of them and then he brings his church into a dark world. He brings us into those places. A lot of people, again, don't believe that's the strategy. They think we need some other solutions and I'm for anything that's bringing hope and I realize we live in a holistic world and I'm not talking about the box and I'm not even talking about Milestone Church. When I preach on the church, I tell you I get passionate because Jesus said I will build my church and I remember standing in that spot saying, I'm gonna build it with you. Not because I'm a pastor but because I'm wanting to stay true to what Jesus said he wanted to build. I'm not talking about Milestone Church. We build the church. We've helped churches in our own backyard become successful. We planted a church in San Antonio three weeks ago that had 389 people in San Antonio. We helped the church. In January, we'll resource pastors and churches to help them be more effective. So all of you that are always asking us, where can we find something like this in another city in America? We love the church. It's not about Milestone Church. But I want you to know this, it's Jesus' plan. Now I don't know if you've never heard that or you've given up on that, but it's still his plan. i never forget sitting in a Bible study with a group of guys early in the morning a few years ago. Many of them had come to Christ. 
I'd baptized a few of them. They were getting excited about Jesus. But I'm trying to get them activated. Because see, these guys, they're problem solvers. They're solution-oriented people. And they're solving problems, and they're fixing this, and they're advancing that, and they're building this. But they had never tied the gifts that God put in them to what Jesus was doing in the earth. One day I got a little frustrated with them and I pulled my iPhone out and I threw it on the table. I said, guys, what if you knew that if someone didn't get this iPhone, they wouldn't just be in darkness today, they would live eternally in darkness. They all went, whoa, whoa, oh. They took over the meeting. We could do this, we'd get the iPhone. Now, my kids believe if you don't have the iPhone, you will be in darkness. Y'all know what I'm saying. I mean, the way people line up for the new one, you'd think it was the solution for humanity. They said, well, we got a distribution method, we got to get It's just amazing watching them start talking about it. Here's what I realized they had never connected that this is God's plan. Us bringing light into the darkness, a unified, spirit-filled, friendly, warm, authentic group of people. See, some of y'all think we just put all the happy people in Keller together in one place or in McKinney together in one place. No, 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 we started building on the revelation of Jesus. And I want you to hear me. You can't be close to Jesus and not love his church. You cannot be close to Jesus and not believe in his church. And I'm gonna tell you, because that's his wife. Don't talk about a man's wife. That's his plan. That's his distribution method. Again, I appreciate, we should be engaged with the political process. You should vote. I appreciate any kind of thing that is helping any person. I appreciate that. I'm not saying you need to quit your business and show up and live at the church. What you need to do though is understand that all of those things should seek to serve and to build Jesus's beacon of light that goes into dark places. A simple program or philanthropy is not the solution. You have to have a life-giving, disciple-making, Jesus-preaching, Bible-oriented church in a dark place. I was in a dark city with a few guys not too long ago, and they saw the brokenness. They were talking about one particular social problem that they were very upset about. And they said, well, what's the answer, Pastor? I said, you know why the demons are controlling this place? There's no church. The churches look like a shell. They look like buildings of yesterday. There's no life-giving, Bible-preaching, small groups out there in there serving people, helping people. That's why it looks like the enemy's winning. Good news is we're planting one there because the church is the answer. That's the answer. Not the church as an entity. The place that Jesus fills his people who have a revelation of him that go into dark places and change situations. Look at this verse of scripture that leans on Jesus's plan, his intent. We're talking about Jesus's intent. I'm so glad Jesus was intentional. I'm so glad I don't have to turn on the news and go, we're hopeless. The world is hopeless. There's no answer for the problems. No, Jesus is intentional about solving the problem. His intent was that now through the church, his manifold wisdom of God. What is that word manifold? It's a multifaceted, multicolored rainbow of God. 
You know where a lot of the pain of our culture, where we can shine a bright light into it, is when a multi-ethnic, multi-diverse, multi-relational, multi-socioeconomic, multi-gifted, multi-personalityed, multi-persuasion group of people under the banner and revelation of Jesus start loving one another, walking in unity, getting over their offenses, loving people that need to be invited five years to church. That's the answer. I don't know if y'all are by video excited, but I got people standing up over there. we, We went Pentecostal, but anyway. That's the answer. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold, multicolored expression, rainbow of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. You know how Jesus deals with darkness? You're the solution to your own prayer. You're the solution to your own prayer. Spend less time griping and more time solving. Less time arguing and more time loving. Less time debating and more time demonstrating. And we'll start to see change in the darkness. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. Some of you here, you say, I don't know Jesus like that. Well, he wants to know you. He wants to know you. I'm gonna ask if you can, don't move around for just a moment unless it's an emergency. This is a very important moment for people. Some of you here, you say, I wanna know that Jesus. But you can just simply say, Jesus, here I am. I can't build my life to fix my life, to solve my problems. I can't earn my way to you. So Jesus, become my Savior and Lord. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead. Come into my life and save me. I accept you today as my Jesus come into my heart and life. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to come to 101, either campus, I wanna meet you. I wanna hear about this decision that you've made. We wanna help you start to grow. We wanna help you get, this is, this is Jesus' plan. Know him and get planted in his church. Get planted in his church and start growing. We wanna help you do that. Second of all though, I wanna pray for all of us. Jesus, We've all had pain in relationships. For that matter, we've had pain in our own family, much less in relational spiritual family. We're imperfect people. I've had painful situations. But that's not gonna stop us, Jesus, from trusting you at your word. We're gonna trust your word, and we're gonna love what you love, and we're gonna build what you build. And we're asking for your grace and mercy to do it. We're asking for help. We're asking that you would plant us, release our gifting into your plan so that people can see a full expression of you. See, as an individual, we can't express you, Jesus. But together, we can express you to a hurting world. Help us do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 